Hello to everybody who would move to Ireland in a heartbeat. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. We're recording this uh, mere days after Boris Johnson's uh, win in the elections in England, in the UK, and uh, and our caller lives there. Our caller lives there, so obviously it was on their mind. A lot to say about it, and I have a lot of questions because it's something I read a lot about but don't totally understand. It's not the entirety of the call. I will say that um, whether, however you feel politically, to hear someone who's on the ground in their own words expressing their opinions, nervousness, their hopes, it's... I feel like this one's going to be viewed as a time capsule of what it's like to react to something that important politically in real time, within literal days of it happening. And then on top of it, we wind up talking a lot about dogs and what type of dog I should get should I ever get a dog. We wind up talking about how nice people are in certain parts of the world. There's all kinds of stuff. I will say I like this one because it has – a thing I always like in the show where when it has a stretch of that feels very serious, it is followed by a stretch that feels like a couple people just chit-chatting and joking and laughing. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hey. How's it going? Hello, how are you? How am I? I'm doing good. I tell you, I'm out in Los Angeles. I never make it out to Los oh, Angeles. That's exciting. Yeah, How, how's the weather over there? It's warm. It's so warm compared to New York. I don't know why I've resisted moving here so often, but I'm still not going to. I just don't feel like it. <laughs> so what what kind of degrees are we talking? Are we talking like hot, hot, hot or like kind of like normal hot? Normal hot, pleasant hot. Well, what does that mean? You know, here in the UK, pleasant hot is about, you know, 18 degrees Celsius. If we go any harder than that, it's a bit too much for me, I'd say. We're talking Celsius. I know, I know. It's, it's probably like 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and I'm ignorant to the rest of the world because I'm uh, an ignorant American. So about 70 degrees. What's a, how, how does that convert? Do you know? I don't know. Something about the 60s or something like that. Like maybe, I don't know, the 20 degrees. All right. Well, we've had a <laughs> I'm sure everybody's titillated by our <laughs> temperature conversions. Yeah, sorry. I'm I've I've literally become the the listener that I'm always like, "Please talk about something a bit more exciting, no. please." It's fine. You asked me a question. Well, I'll tell you, I'm a little distracted right now and it's my fault because yeah. We're connecting the studio in LA back to the studio in New York, and it was kind of, uh, there were some technical difficulties, and I'm a little distracted and stressed out, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. These things I, I was also a bit distracted because I was at home with my boyfriend, and I was like, I need, I need to leave the house to have a proper conversation, I think. Oh, that's fun. Well, just a bit like, you know, you, you think about what you're going to say when you get on the show, and you're going to be really cool. And so it's Chris Gessler, especially from the UK, and show that, you know, we're not just terrible calls. Um, <laughs> yes, trying my very best. Oh, no, yeah. we've had good calls. We've had some great calls from the UK. Some classics. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no, no don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing everybody. It was, it was a brilliant call that 
um, I've heard, I've listened to all the show. Everybody says that. But um, I came to your live show in London. Oh. Not the latest one, the one last year. Got it, yeah. The one where the caller from Paris came through? Yeah. And I was just a bit like, ugh. That was, that was an interesting call. <laughs> Not as much as enjoyable as some others, I would say, but... That's just that's just me. Just I have to say, opinion. this is the first time I think maybe in the show's history that a caller has called up and critiqued a prior caller. <laughs> um, I hope that's the case and doesn't get seen as, you know, slandering. But yeah, no, it was, um, especially when you compare it to some other calls that have like, you know, either really moved me or made me laugh out loud. It was just a bit um, very controversial, I'd say. The whole talk about masculinity. I was there with a friend of mine, and we were just a bit like, ooh, that is not very British. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. I will say, I, I will say that, yes, it it seems that maybe it didn't fit the uh, British audience's uh, wheelhouse. And I'll also yeah. say that the caller, if I remember, had, had some... Uh, some pithy things to say about England, and it sounds like maybe you're returning the shot right now about our Parisian. Friend. It is quite funny though, because I am not British myself, you're and not. I'm here defending them, which is rather funny. No, no, I'm I'm actually originally from Italy, but my parents are actually from Morocco, so this might be a first in the show again. I don't think you've ever had any callers from North Africa in general, have you? I don't think so. So what you're you're. Of Moroc- so, a Moroccan um, descent, born in Italy, living in England? Yes. Yes, indeed, yeah. And I also lived a bit in Ireland, you know, your kind of ancestry country, and I can fully share your deep love for the country. That is definitely something that we can agree on. Oh, the best people. The nicest people in the <laughs> uh, world, I think. Oh, my God. The best people in the world. I've lived there for a few years, and it was just happiest years of my life, I'd say. Yeah, um, I lived in County Wicklow which was, have you ever been to County Wicklow at all? I can't say that I have, unless I drove through it and didn't realize along the way. Oh, that's a shame. If if you ever get back, I think that is definitely one of the loveliest counties. And yeah, it's just really beautiful. It's really green. It's where, P.S. I love you, set. Oh, all right. All right. Now, when did you move from Italy? Because to my ears... You have a pitch-perfect English accent. But I know that we've talked about this on the show before, where accents in England are very discernible to the English. Yes. I would say that um, this is quite a fun story. So I studied in Edinburgh, actually. So my English friends would say that I have a Scottish twang, but my Scottish friends would say that I have an English twang, which is quite fun. Um, But you asked me when I moved, so that is... I'm in my late 20s now. I moved when I was 18, and I moved straight to Ireland first, lived there, then moved to England, the south of England, then moved to Edinburgh, and then moved again to London. That's two years ago. Wow. But he bounces around out Does there. that make sense? It does. It does. I feel like when... when, yeah. when it really is a... So fascinating to see that, and and I feel like this might be a strange thing to say right now to somebody calling from the UK, but it seems like when you are in Europe, when you are a citizen of Europe, you are both the citizen of a country and of Europe at large, and that story of bouncing around, I'm jealous of that. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool way to live. It is pretty cool, 
But um, as you might know, it is it's likely to come all to an end. And, you know, it is a time where I'm kind of considering what my next steps should be. Oh, oh, there is a fox. Oh, hello. <laughs> There's a beautiful fox just staring at me. Oh, it just ran away. You have to be kidding me. Yes. Um, I live in quite a leafy area of London, so foxes are very, very common. But this one was a young one, and you could see because it still had the very, very red fur, even though we're in winter. It's really pretty. Try not to scare it away. It's gone. Now, I'm afraid. When I was, in, I was in London during the trip where you saw my show, and I was... Yes. Where was I staying? Angel? Is that the name of the neighborhood? Angel? Um, yeah, yeah. And a fox walked down the middle of the sidewalk with an orange in its mouth. And I thought, oh, oh, wow. I thought that was the most amazing thing that I'd ever seen. But then the crowd informed me that foxes have been uh, hanging out in London more and more. And someone told me the rumor is that because fox hunts are now frowned upon, that the, expo- that the uh, population has exploded a little bit. Hey, I don't know about that in London. I think it's mostly that, you know, We've taken over every single square of the city where they could have possibly lived. So now they just integrate in the urban scenery. And yes, fox hunting is heavily frowned upon, but has not made illegal yet. Mm. So all the posh people and the aristocrats mm. will still go. And this is a really terrible time because um, Boxing Day, the 26th, is hunting day. My boyfriend's family, very sadly, some of them. That's what they do on Boxing Day. Their tradition: blow up rabbits and foxes. Oh, that sounds like a great, okay. it's pretty shit. A bloody holiday. Um, oh, okay. oh, sorry, Sally. That's okay. You're. I feel like you're allowed to say bloody shit if you call from the UK. I feel like that you get a pass. <laughs> we had our own Fleabag sorry, moment. Fox sighting, just like Fleabag. What a good show. Oh, that is okay. I'm. I'm okay. I think it's pretty much too late for me not to fully out myself if anyone that I know listens but um, fun fact I was at the event on Sunday to see Phoebe Waller-Bridge in conversation about Fleabag funny that you should mention it and it is uh, it was pretty incredible have you watched it do you enjoy it oh it was great it was great you know uh, I'm just gonna gush a little bit but everybody's gushing about that show right now so it's not the most original stuff but I will I will say as a comedian who went to bat for myself and tried to create something original and unique in my voice, I yeah. always admire seeing someone else pull that off. And she pulled that off as well as maybe anyone I've seen. It's rare. You know, you see like the stuff Gary Shandling did. You see Ricky Gervais' yeah. office and a handful of other things. That was her show and her voice. And that's so cool to see. I know, and also, she's so hot in real life. Really? She's standing there. I was a few feet away, and I was like, oh, my God, how are you just so tall? And beautiful and funny and just captivating everybody. It was just, yeah, it was a real gushy moment. Also, she was the same age as I am now when she started writing Flea, and I was like, damn it, I am slightly behind. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, if we're all going to hold ourselves to the standards of someone who uh, took a one-woman show and blazed through the entertainment industry on two continents, then we <laughs> you can't hold yourself to those standards. Now, can I ask? No, I'm afraid no. Can yeah. I ask you a question? And I don't want to make any assumptions, so correct me if I'm wrong. Go for it. 
Now, you have Moroccan roots. Yes, Now, pardon my ignorance and explain this to me. My assumption, and maybe totally ignorant, do, do you fit the physical image of someone in England? Because I only ask because I would imagine that someone that's... in England no not at all it's actually really interesting because it's a it's a bit of a liminal space where you know the kind of Caucasian population you know kind of like Aryan looking or not Aryan looking based on where they are um, that is like you know what you would expect as English I think in the canon and then you have the other side of the population which is you know um, a gift from the Commonwealth really which is mostly South Asian um, descendants so there is a lot of people that their roots can be tracked down to India and Pakistan and Bangladesh and I don't fit that kind of like visual either so it is quite interesting because I do kind of stick a bit as a sore thumb and really really funny um, I had tried to call previously during the Brazilian call and with a really funny story where I have no roots to South America whatsoever. But a lot of people kind of guess on whatever I'm Colombian or Brazilian very often because it just kind of fits their narrative a bit better of mm. what someone from those country looks like. I ask because, and I'm not trying, if you don't want to speak about this, if you had other plans, I'm all ears. I just go for it. Go for it. Well, I get open for anything. I'm sure you see this question coming, but I get the sense that the past few years, it's become a little bit more difficult or concerning to not fit the Caucasian image of of the traditional England background. I get the sense that it's a little dicier these days. Yes, yes, you are. You're correct when it comes to that. But um, I think in my case. The thing that is quite interesting is the fact that I was born and grew up in Italy, which is, you know, without any holds barred, really, like the show would want to have it, um, is one of the most racist countries in the whole of Europe, if not, in my own personal opinion, the whole of, like, you know, the Northern Hemisphere. Um, Did you say vicious? Very. I would say that if weapons were as freely available in Italy as they are in the United States. And if you had that many people in a country, I think they'll be, they'll be making headlines more than your Florida man or similar it's, to that. Let me just be clear, because I'm getting lost a little. You're saying that your time in Italy, you face a harshness that maybe we don't know as much about in the States. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, living in the UK as a, you know, a woman of color is not the easiest thing but I think comparing it to my upbringing in Italy it is much much easier I have like you know I've been subject to much stronger um, violence and kind of you know xenophobia and racism in Italy even though I was born there and I am Italian than I have had here in the UK it's kind of like different forms of like you know racism I'd call it in Italy people are very upfront with their political views where in the UK it's quite hard to kind of gauge whether someone is you know 
misogynist or racist until it's kind of too late and you're like, oh God, we were friends kind of thing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, I guess I am aware that Italy has elected some people further to the right than, than usual. And I, I get- oh my God, it's literally, not even the right, it's just the absolute far right. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's a bit of a joke. It started as a joke where it's like, really funny they used to say that because the one of the biggest parties, which is now on the far right, was started by a comedian. By a comedian? Uh, yes, he's <laughs> called Beto Grillo. And he uh, was a kind of prime time TV comedian. And then a few years ago, he started a political party that was meant to be like center left. And then in the last few years, it has gone all the way to the right, um, which is, yeah, it's kind of confusing, but also kind of worrying because that's how fascism really started i gotta say as a comedian you shouldn't you should we shouldn't be trusting comedians to run political parties the ukraine the the ukrainian president comedian as well i know comedians they are dirt bags across the board they are i mean not not 100 percent but but lazy lazy people who want instant gratification and who uh live like vagabonds without roots these are i mean not everybody i know everybody some comedians are absolutely delightful like yourself i'd say yeah i would know been listening to this show for years now and i'm like you know it's kind of my tuesday morning listening to chris in my ears it's it's you know kind of reassuring but listen whenever a show comes out that's so kind of you and i'm glad to provide some reassurance that being said if you heard that i was creating a political party (laughs) You wouldn't think that was going to end smoothly. The punk rock gethards. Would that be it? It would quick, yeah, it would quickly just, <laughs> my, my lack of uh, authority and ability to just uh, organize things, it would, just, yeah, it would quickly descend into some sort of like crazy anarchy. Oh, God. Oh, which would be rather fun, I'd comments. say, you know, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, the UK has its challenges, but after growing up in Italy, I think I'm quite temperate for them. Wow. And um yeah, and I think it, it kinda has its own challenges, but like everywhere else, if you kinda show some teeth, people are less likely to come for you. Yeah. And you know, having witnessed it many times, I am the person that will scream at you on the tube if I see you harassing another woman or harassing anyone else. I'll I very rarely stand back because it's just kind of reach limit. I have reached limit in general, especially with this new election as well. You know, where someone like Boris Johnson has won. And, you know, people can think whatever they want about the Conservatives and the Labour Party. But I personally think this is a tragedy. We're literally, we're governed by someone who hits in a fridge. In a fridge. Did you see that, Chris? Did you see it? Wait, what, he, he what now? You got swallowed up in your passion. He hid in a fridge. Oh yeah, I heard he hid in a fridge. I did hear something about it. I don't know the full story, but to was it to avoid some reporters who had tough questions? He hid in a refrigerator. Yes, and then when he couldn't avoid the reporter anymore, he just took the reporter's phone and put it in his pocket. Hmm. I guess that's one strategy. <laughs> now, just like yeah, and this is our prime minister now. Now, have you ever heard of a show? Have you ever heard of an American show from the nineteen eighties called Punky Brewster? No. Punky Brewster. good though. It, it was it's a great name for a show. Punky Brewster was a show in a very specific time in the 80s 
Um, and it fit a certain type of lovable cheesiness. But they had a very, you know, back in the 80s, there were a lot of American TV shows that were comedies that would do a very special episode. And this became like an infamous yeah. thing because they would tackle serious topics. Like Different Strokes had one. <laughs> different Strokes had two, actually. One about kidnapping and one about um, how kids can uh. avoid molestation. Like re- Family Ties had one about <gasps> alcoholism. Like they would get really serious. Oh, my God. Now, Punky Brewster had an episode all about the dangers of never play if, in refrigerators. That if you see an old refrigerator and you're a kid, <laughs> you might be tempted to get inside it, but you can't really open them doors from the inside and you'll suffocate inside the fridge. Punky Brewster in the 80s warned against this. Now, your leader is falling into these traps. Oh. This guy needs to watch some old episodes of Punky Brewster. I have to send it to him. Feel free to tag him on Twitter. Please do. You know? Yeah. He probably will look at it. Can't be oh, going God. in the fridge. Really funny that you said that. Because it just reminded me of a really funny story of once when my cousin locked me into a cupboard, a cupboard, and I thought that really funnily I'd pretend to disappear and I climbed into the freezer. You know, this big square compartment freezers. Um, and as soon as I got in, I couldn't open the lid anymore and screen my eyes out. And then, thankfully, they got me out really quickly. So there was no trouble. But, you know, I just I just felt that <laughs> the kind of panic rush back. I was like, oh, my God, I could have died. It sounds to me like perhaps one of the greatest gifts America could spread to the world right now is to mass distribute that one episode of Punky Brewster from 30 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Let's go ahead and pause right there, everybody, because I think... The uh, impact of so many people nodding their heads at once, agreeing with me about the cultural relevance of Punky Brewster in 2019. We all need to catch our breath. Let's do some ads. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now we're going to move on from Punky Brewster into even more important topics. Perhaps one of the greatest gifts America could spread to the world right now is to mass distribute that one episode of Punky Brewster from 30 years ago. <laughs> Sounds like... Just stream it continuously, you know, HBO who? Just stream it, you know. You and... Well, I... In rotation. Now, I do feel like you've, you've, you've made it clear you're not a fan of Boris Johnson, but we did find that you have something in common. We have found the common ground. You have both... Ill-advised, <laughs> lock yourself in cold-producing devices, food storage oh, units. God. I really hope that my friends never hear this episode and think that me and Boris Johnson have something in common. I think I would lose my whole network in one go. <laughs> so can I just ask, and I, some people don't love when we go political on the show. I'm asking, A, because I don't, I do like being an interested citizen of the world, but Exactly. Sense I got was that everyone was shocked at the degree to which that election just went for him. Yes. What's really interesting as well, too, I, I don't know if you how much you know about it, but me being Italian, I was not allowed to vote. Okay. So I had to watch this unfold and kind of just be my bestie, kind of, you know, talk and influence the people around me. But yes, there was a lot of shock. But also not. Kind of like we were, I work in quite a big office. And we were saying to each other, don't be surprised. Prepare yourself for the worst. Like this 
will not go the way we want it to go. So just prepare yourself. And um, because it's done overnight, many of us were awake in our own houses, kind of like, you know, exchanging messages. And the moment the exit polls come out, which pretty much tell you, it's the BBC and ITV together telling you what they think the results are going to be. And they were so tragic. And a lot of people were just like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to bed. I can't watch this anymore. But yes, there was a lot of surprise for a specific thing. Like, um, I don't know how much you know about the kind of mining communities in England. Do you know anything about them? I know. Okay, here's what I know. So, I, Cornish, right? The yes. Cornish have a lot of miners? Um, it's more the north of England. I, I'm not oh, entirely sure again because it's like I know some things, but I wouldn't want to like, you know, give my whole opinion and then get better in the Facebook group. <laughs> I do. I know that the miners have yeah. had a lot of strikes over the years and they are very generally put upon and that if I remember right, Billy Bragg, who's a hero of mine, yeah. he's written a <gasps> Oh my God, Billy Bragg. Oh, I love him. I love him more and more. And now I, I feel like I've come to love him more as Morrissey has become more and more of a oh quite concerning oh person. I, I wish that we could take Morrissey and Jermaine Greer and just shut them in a room together for the rest of their lives and just be like, please never go public again and just, just Wait, entertain each other. Who's Jermaine Greer? Okay, she is. Oh, God, I'm going to get murdered in the Facebook group, I think, if this ever goes out. Um, she is a second wave feminist who when she just came out with her first like what well, her first big book the second sex was um um was very very popular and she was she made a massive impact at the time and she was really relevant and she spoke for women's rights and you know just incredible um figure but in recent years she has spoken out against the trans community so pretty much has shown her colors are as a transphobic and not acknowledging trans women as women which in my view which i think you know should be the common view anyone should be free to be who they truly are and if a trans woman if you identify as a trans woman to me you're a woman there is no differences but she has you know been reported as saying quite harsh things towards the trans community, which, you know, I don't agree at all. And then we got Morrissey, which we all know that, you know, should just be a bit quieter. Oh God, Morris, I got the tattoo on my shoulder. I got it. Come on. Bless you. Come on. I do feel you. Now, but let's talk about Billy Bragg. Billy exactly, because it's made me just fall in love with Billy Bragg even more. And I know that he has a, a number of songs that are like pro-unions, and a lot of that, if I remember yes. right, was written in support of minors. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just a quick note here. I met him. Um, now everybody's going to know who I am if they know me, but um, in my previous job, we worked with Billy Bragg. Um, and I got to meet him and I can tell you, have you ever met him? Never met him, but I've seen him live twice and they were two shows that made me feel like he is a magical human being who really is what he says he is. He is delightful. He's so kind and so lovely and really takes the time to like, you know, just get to know the people that, you know, are around him and working on projects with him. And he was just, he's just really, really sweet. Just, you know. He's aged very gracefully. And also, he's a big fan of Billie Eilish. 
which you know I I, <laughs> I agree with. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> He's got some fantastic. But yeah, um, lyrics. going back to the sorry. He's got some fantastic lyrics. He has such an even split of pop songs and love songs, and then also kind of badass, like political yeah, songs, rising songs. So this was about the yeah. miners. That was that was a sidetrack where you asked me if I knew anything about the miners, and I used it to talk about Billy Bragg. What do I need to know about the miners in con- the context so of what we're speaking example, about? For example, yeah, in the north of England, it's where you know when there was Thatcher time, Thatcher, Thatcher, milk snatcher. She closed a lot of mines, a lot of people lost their jobs, and she just, you know, pretty much made life very, very difficult for a specific, for a lot of people, but a specific area of North England. And since then, since her time, um, that side of the UK, specifically England, has been historically Labour, so what we'd call red. Um, And now, for the first time in decades, they have voted conservative. They have voted for the same kind of political party that Margaret Thatcher was part of. And that is unheard of. So it was quite a big hit to think that people who, you know, would think of themselves as working class and, you know, kind of for the many, not the few, would vote someone like Boris Johnson. And it's just, yeah, it's just very complicated and very upsetting and just very confusing, really. So, as you've you've mentioned that you weren't allowed to vote, so I assume that you are not yeah. you are not a citizen of England. Brexit's coming. Yes. Are you are you out of there? Do you have Do you have to leave? Are you opting to leave? Or well, are you going to try to stick it out? There is. I know it's 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 really confusing, especially like it's really confusing for us living here. I imagine you know, somewhere like the States. So you could apply for something called um, like a, like indefinite stay. So if you had lived here for five years and you could show a record of having paid your taxes and just, you know, having had a job kind of generally, you could apply for this stay. So that's what I have done. And I have um, quite lucky because I have quite, strong record. I have studied here at university and I've been here for eight years. So, and I've always had a job and they could track my contributions that I've done or my taxes and my national insurance. So I do have this stay on my passport. But um, yeah, for example, I'm going to Berlin at the end of January, which is really fun and coming back on the 1st of February. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they'll stop me at the airport. Maybe they won't. Maybe I'll, I'll have trouble. I just don't know, but I've got to do it and see what happens, you know. What a scary thing that you legitimately right now, it didn't sound like you were being melodramatic. It sounded like you said you're prepared for a world in which you might get stopped and told, hey, times have changed. Yeah, because, you know, with this new government, they said 31st of January they want to get Brexit done, but nobody knows what that looks like. So it's just one of these things where it's like, you know, also I've had many, many issues in the past where I've been in airports and my passport is Italian, but my name isn't. And people question it. And sometimes they question it quite aggressively. So airports are, you know, you know how it is. Airports are not places for fun and giggles. People take themselves, you know, very, very seriously. And they think they're going to save the world. So they just, you know, pick on 
normal people just traveling through. So that's already something that causes a lot of anxiety. And then on top of that, having Brexit, it's just very, yeah, just very tiring, I think. Now, it's you've made it very clear that you're a very liberal person, progressive person. Yeah. And not everybody out there who listens to the show is. And I have respect yeah. for it. I do want to say, you brought up a word in reference to Italy before, but now you're talking about like you might just place you've lived for close to a decade and you are wondering, am I going to get stopped at the border after Brexit? You brought up the word fascism. Yeah. Do you really, do you believe, yeah. do you believe that the world you're living in and the things you're seeing in the countries you've visited, is that, is that word hyperbole to you or are you really seeing that i oh this is so hard you know just if i start crying please forgive me but i really wish from the bottom of my heart that i could say it's something that you know i'm it's not it can't be real but sadly the more I research and the more I speak to friends who live in other countries and the more I really look into it, the more this is becoming more and more of a reality. It's uh, the rise of national parties. It's something that really scares me. Um, I have really close friends that are Danish and live in Denmark and it's somewhere where I go really often. And the rise of the far right in a country that has, you know, been traditionally very liberal um, same thing for Finland. Um, Greece is having, you know, a rise in the far right. Spain is something that is really scary. It's just a lot happening, specifically in Europe. And this is, you know, without even looking at something like the United States or Colombia or Guatemala or mainland China and what's happening in Hong Kong as well. It's just, yeah. History is a circle, and yeah. you know, Brazil. I hate to say it, but you hate to say it, but what I interrupted history might repeat itself. I really hope to be proven completely wrong, but I do well, feel like tough times are ahead. I gotta say, I'm becoming more and more with you. Brazil went that way, and the Philippines. Their, yeah. their leader is notorious for some of the stuff he said and done. And, um, yeah. and then, you know, I just want to be clear too, and I'm not c- trying to come down on anybody in particular. I, I had an episode recently. It was with a chef. and Oh, I love that episode. It was the best thing ever. Thanks. I enjoyed that it. Really I, me up when I heard it. But I asked him about um, an Anthony Bourdain quote about how all restaurants, you know, the backbone relates to a lot of illegal immigrants. And he verified that that was true. And he and I kind of, I think both, Mm. both um, condemned some closed mindedness towards immigrants in recent years. And a guy left a comment that I saw that said, I hate how anything right of center you come down on um, as if everybody's like a maniac. And I said, it's not everybody right of center. If you're out there, I want to be clear because this episode has gone political. If you're somebody who's out there and you're okay. like, I, I, 
I think a welfare, I think the welfare state, and I can speak to America, right? I think the welfare state is run poorly and, and creating more problems than solutions. If that's something you really believe, I don't agree, but I'm not going to be mad at you. If you're somebody out there who says, I believe that less taxes leads to more economic growth and that's better for everybody, I don't agree, but I'm not mad at you. But at the same time, uh-huh. at what point? Is it worth it? Because it hasn't been kids in cages. It hasn't been, you know, is, is, is money, is a booming economy worth a president who has mocked disabled people on TV? Like, is that, is that worth it? You know, like, so it's, I don't come down on anyone who's right of center, but I do wonder, I do wonder why the more fringe is allowed to be part of the team. Like they're allowed to hang out in the same locker room yeah. and, and, and everybody's willing to look the, same, the other way for money. And it's funny because there's probably a lot of people listening and, to you and me right now going, well, fascism is an extreme word. It's not that bad. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's, yeah. not, it's not that bad until it is. And Exactly. And it's one of these things that rises, what, you know, in the shadow of Insidiously. What- Right, really. It's not like someone steps up to a microphone and goes, hey, so um, shit's fucked up and evil right now. <laughs> like, that's not how it goes. It's you inch nah. towards doing more and more evil things and you see how much you can get away with until somebody draws the line. And all over the world, yeah, people aren't drawing the line. And you mentioned mainland China. The, yeah. the, it seems progressively clearer and clearer that there is a Holocaust happening there. Yes. Towards yes. a certain religious group. Quiet. I don't, I, I ignorantly, um, I don't want to mispronounce it, but I believe it's the Iger group of. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I'm afraid I don't know how to say it. But there's. Either, but that's what it sounds like, I'd say. Concentration camps and, and rumors of, of the government saying people are allowed to leave and they're actually not. You hear really sick rumors of people having their organs removed and harvested and sold yeah. like this is uh everybody says oh you yeah. can't just say fascism you can't just say the holocaust but it's like at what point can i at what point is it truthful enough yeah. that i can i don't want to be what i'd like to say to these people is yeah you're lucky to be born when you're born because this is what i have come to learn with time that i was very lucky to have born to have been born in a you know, first world country, some parents that, you know, really took seriously both my education and well-being, even though with hiccups here and there, you know, but who's not human? But then I look back and I'm like, my life could have been so much different if my parents had just, you know, birthed me in Afghanistan just before the war or Iraq during, you know, dictatorship and then the war. It's like, you know, we're, it's just dice that someone has rolled and you're born in the right place. That's not your right. That's just luck. Why are you taking that right away from other people? You wouldn't want your own family to suffer. Yeah. Or do you want someone else's family to die in front of them? Yeah. It's, uh, I guess that's my question. Before anybody gets mad at me and before anybody rolls their eyes and says, oh, Gether, you're such a liberal. I'm actually, I will tell you, I'm not as liberal as a lot of my friends. I'm a very solidly a democratic voter and a progressive thinking guy, but I'm not. I'm not someone. You're out a dad there. now. You're allowed to be a democratic. Well, it's. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not somebody. I'm not somebody who really has ever, you know, 
gone out there and, and proclaimed myself a socialist. And I actually see there's a lot of things that uh, maybe some of the more progressive candidates are saying where I'm going, I don't know if that's uh, the right path. Like, I'm open-minded, but before anybody gets mad at me in the comments, I'll just ask, let me know when, let me know what it's going to take before you don't roll your eyes and just say I'm a liberal. Because as soon as it was kids in cages, that's when I just went, oh, no, 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 no. This is a fight. We need to be having. I'm not doing enough. I haven't gone to Texas. I I haven't marched. So I'm a hypocrite too. Yeah, but but it's just like, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying. This is your call and I'm off on a rant. No, but, you know, this might be the last political thing I say, because I feel like, you know, this is becoming a very, very, very heavy, you know, call. But I have never been to the United States. And, you know, I'd love to. But one of the reasons why I haven't been yet, it's I'm scared. That is all it is. I don't want to go, you know, love to visit New York and California and Florida and San Francisco and Massachusetts and all these wonderful places. But I don't want to get on a plane, arrive there, and then someone looks at me and just because, you know, I look Arabic or I don't look right, stop me and make me feel uncomfortable. And this is, you know, this just might be my opinion, but that's at least one person that reads it like that, you know. And if I was still, you know, 18 and lived in another country, I would look at the UK in the same way and be like, I'm not welcome. I don't want to go there. No. I got two reactions to that. One, let's pause there. I'm sure everybody's waiting in bated breath for my two thoughts. I'll have those two thoughts and many more thoughts when we get back. Thanks to everybody who uses those promo codes and supports the show. Now let's finish off this conversation. I got two reactions to that. One, I will say that I still have so much love for my country and the people here. And I bet that if you came here, you'd have a great time. And that's not just in the cities. That's not just on the coast. I want to be clear on that too. Everywhere I go, people are nice in the States. People are generally nice. Actually, in New York, they're probably meaner than most other places in the country because it's so (laughs) fast-paced. But you'd have a great time. Um, and secondly, I would just say, you know, I think most of our listeners are American. I would just say, I hope everybody hears that you're speaking and you're clearly a good humored person who you've mentioned, well-educated person. You've lived all over the world. The idea that you're scared to come to America, it breaks my heart. It's a good place oh, full of good people. No, it's not on you. It's on, it, it's just, I feel like it's something that hopefully people hear and go, well, that's not good. People shouldn't be scared to come here. What's going on? (laughs) Anyway, listen, we've already been talking for 40 minutes and I feel like I don't know your deal. What's your deal? Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. What's your deal? Um, Oh God, that is a really funny question. You're really, this is really funny that I've come through the phone call specifically tonight because me and my boyfriend were sitting down and just, pitting down on paper what we need from each other and what we need from this relationship and what we're going to give it to it. So I think my deal right now is just figuring out 
my place in in this world and in you know in the relationships that I formed it's um yeah it's interesting I've got to mention um I did go to therapy for a while and then sadly I had to move and all these kind of things when I haven't had time to set myself down with another therapist but my partner he's been in therapy for over three years it's helped him so much and it all started by listening to Beautiful Anonymous oh. a few years ago I'm happy to help yeah that's that's where, like, the first idea of, like, yeah, maybe maybe we'll try this. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. Well, I'm very happy and that my willingness to admit that I am a largely broken man emotionally has demonstrated <laughs> some vulnerability that had a positive effect on your partner. Pass on my good wishes. I mean, who isn't? <laughs> I mean, who isn't broken? That's one of the things that, you know, I've learned very recently uh. by being vulnerable with the people around me. We're all a bunch of broken messes. And if we just admitted that a bit more, we could actually help each other. That's all. It's worked out for me. (laughs) I mean, people have been so kind about how I have so publicly uh, mentioned that I cry so often. Crying is good. Crying is cleansing. And also, um, (laughs) I used to be a nanny. And I realized that if you look after small children, same age as your son, if they start crying for no apparent reason and you cry back, they stop. Is that true? <laughs> Is that true? Sorry? Is that true? Yes. Right. I've done it multiple times. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to let my son see me cry sooner rather than later. I think it's actually probably healthy. Anyway, so you have... I think that's rather healthy. You have given... You and your wife, of course, have given birth to a beautiful boy. And you know... Teaching him to be vulnerable, I think, it's one of these things that, you know, might be a wonderful gift. Well, that kid's got give no him. choice. Also, he's so cute. Oh, Chris, thanks. He's so cute. Nah, he's like a little fashion model baby. He's like what people think of <laughs> when they think baby. Like envision I see the... him working for Gap. <laughs> hey, if he goes that direction, I, I got it. Whatever his dreams are, I got his back. So your deal. So you got a partner, you're figuring out your place in the world, you had some intense conversations about what you need out of your relationship. You're a true citizen yeah, of the world. What else? What's your deal? Oh, thanks. What's your deal? What's my deal? That is I am a bit <laughs> lost in the world too at the moment. I I do have a job that I really love, but at the same time, it's one of these things like how where do I wanna take it? You know? Mm-hmm. I work in really, really interesting um, industry, which you might know something about, which is publishing, book publishing. Oh, I've dabbled. Um, <laughs> you've dabbled in it. Um, yeah, and it's one of these things that it's really fascinating. It's one of these industries that, you know, you are pretty much championing the arts, you know, which is incredible. But at the same time, it's also one of these industries that has been very white and very old for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So to be, again, a woman of color in certain spaces, sometimes it's hard. And it's hard to remind people that, you know, things that for them might be funny. They're at the expenses of other people. It might not be okay. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's great. <laughs> that sounds tough. Yeah. Now, can I ask you, because when I, I put out well, my first book I was contracted to do. So I wrote it and then I walked away. My second book, I was very, very nervous about 
I have to, they've given me an advance and I have to make sure this book sells enough. I don't want them. Wait. And then I was told that something like something insane, like 85% of books don't make their advance back and lose money. And that the industry is built in a way where it doesn't make any sense financially. And everybody's just praying that they get the next JK Rowling or Stephen King. And that's how these companies make their money. True or false? That, uh, yes and no. Okay. Okay. Cause it depends what kind of book we're talking here. For example, your book would be classified as celebrity book. You know, mm. you are someone who has a name, who people mm. will recognize. You're someone who has a following. Please. You also have a platform such as Beautiful Anonymous. Yeah. So your book would be treated slightly differently than, let's say, someone who's written their first novel. I mean, let's say, a love story. Mm. And it's their first novel that got treated very, very differently. Are you talking so, financially? Are yes you, and no. Are you being polite about Sorry? saying, is this a f- treated financially or through the promotion of it or how much support they get? They just got treated differently in-house. So, mm. for example, I, like, you know, you treat brand authors and celebrity authors very differently from a debut author. So, for example, you know, if you're going to work on someone like you in your books, you're already working on the demographic that you already have, that you've already created. Mm-hmm. You go and target these people. You work around them. You create events, you know, maybe in tandem with your own team who creates your own events. And it's, you're already building on a platform and just kind of like building a book platform around it. Well, if it's a debut author, you would, you have to build everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit more exciting, if I may say so. That's fair. That's Just fair. working on it, like reading the books, you all enjoy them all. But sometimes when it's like it's someone completely new, they 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 are no one, and then you start building their name and building their like you know following, and then you can go back to people and say this this book is incredible. You've never read it, you don't know who this person is, but I'm telling you, you trust me on what I've told you all these times that this book is incredible read it then you put it in people's hands and people love it and then you see it spreading like fire and it's like it's just exhilarating um, wow. and it's just very different from working with someone who's already known J.K. Rowling or Stephen King well I'll tell you that sounds like a great experience how do publishing companies feel about someone who does have an existing fan base whose book still sells <laughs> Not well, like my most recent one. That must be infuriating to them that they went, this guy's got a fan base. Let's give him a chunk of change. And I was very happy with what they gave me. And then it sold like garbage. And I have felt sad. I have felt so sad. Don't feel sad. The reason why you got the advance is because you wrote the book. That is for your time writing the book. So don't feel bad. Books sometimes sell, sometimes it doesn't sell. Maybe, you know, just wasn't the right time to publish it. Maybe something else in the on the market went against it, you know, got cannibalized audience. Or maybe it's just maybe your fan base are just listeners more than readers. Maybe. What do you reckon? I don't know. I feel like I it's split it split a weird difference between self help and comedy. I don't know if anybody knew what it was and I think maybe I didn't hit the mark as clearly as I could. Who knows? Anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. we got 12 minutes left. <laughs> what else? What else do I need? You work okay. in publishing. You're a woman of color trying to carve out a space in a traditionally white world. 
hearing about your relationship. Yes. yes. What else? Tell me. Do you Tell want me to know the best thing in the world? Mm-hmm. I am dog sitting my colleague's dog for six days over the end of December and beginning of January. And I can't wait. I've been pet deprived for the last two years. So getting to have a dog for six days is going to be the best thing in the world. And I know you're not a dog person. And, you know, but I love you anyway, even though I do feel some type of way because you don't like dogs. But I've got a dog for six days, Chris. And you're saying the that's the closest thing to a pet. And you're saying that's the best thing in the world. Yeah, it is the best thing in the world. It cheered me up so much this morning when we were talking and she said, yes, you can have my dog for six days. She's tiny, she's cute, she's got, got curly, like, little fur, and she's really sweet, and she likes cuddles, and I'm going to take her to the beach, and I'm going to buy her loads of nice treats, and it's going to make the world a lovely place again for me. You know what I I've, you know what I've people no- who follow me on Instagram. You know what I've noticed that I really <laughs> like about you? Is that when you get really what? when you get really excited about something, your accent switches between like four different accents. <laughs> that is very typical. That's the more excited you get, what? the more I'm like, whoa! Now you're from Ireland. Oh, now you're from Italy. Oh, yeah, you sound like you might be from Morocco. Morocco. Like I, I feel like <laughs> the more excited you get, the more it just transforms over and over again. Maybe that's what my deal is, trying to figure out what my accent is. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. It just pets make me really, really happy. This is the longest I've been without a pet in my entire existence. And I am suffering as a result. Do you have any pets at the moment? Currently, you don't. I don't, but my wife has made it very clear that it is not up for debate. That if we have our kid and he's going to be an only child, which he is... And he needs a dog. She has said he can't grow up without a dog if he's going to be an only child. And I have to begrudgingly admit that there's a lot of truth in that, to have a faithful companion. And so I guess I'm going to have a dog someday soon. And I'm going to have to march around. Oh, my God. And I guess yes. I'm going to have to march around in the winter and lean over and pick up its poop with my hands. I guess I'm going to have to do that now. I guess when I'm eating, it's going to be begging me for my food and making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Banging into my legs, getting hair on my clothes. And then I bet I'll get the dog someday. And two weeks later, everybody's going to hear me on the show being like, I love dogs so much and crying about how much I love my dog. (laughs) Please, I can't wait for that episode. Um, (laughs) No, if you you really are not a big fan of dogs, but you kind of like cats, I would recommend a greyhound. I rescue greyhounds ideally, but greyhounds are a perfect mix of dog and cat. I've never heard this before. Yeah, they're really cuddly. Really? Now, what makes them... You've never heard of greyhounds? I've heard of greyhounds. I'm no fool, but I've never heard that they're part cat. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. Greyhounds are not very rarely bark. They're more like lap dogs than anything else. they like, I think they need, don't quote me on this, but I think they need to like one good sprint a day or maybe once every two days. But for everything else, they're just very relaxed. They just like to sleep a lot. They like to be cuddled. And that's them, really. They like to curl up. And they're quite, you know, chill. They're not little chihuahuas yapping at you and running everywhere, which, you know, is more my type of dog, I'd say. Yapping dogs. But a greyhound, perfect for the Gethard family. A greyhound? I'll keep it. Have I convinced you? I will say my mother-in-law had... What are the ones that uh, chase the sheep around? Oh, there's a border collie. Oh, 
Those are the best as well. She had a border collie. Border collies are sexy. I like that. Did you say border collars are sexy? I said they're sweet. Oh, thank you. Okay. I mean, they can also be sexy depending on what you like about them. Listen, okay, we're not. Imagine if that came out with seven minutes left. Like, oh, no, I think animals are sexy and I will not. I, and, here, okay, and I'd be like, whoa, no, okay, hold the phone. All right. Oh my god! But the border collie was very smart, and I liked the. I I will say the border collie was quite smart, and it made it endearing. But they need a lot of running. You have to have a garden for a border collie. It'd be cruel if you didn't have a garden for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So they're not good. They're not good city dogs, is what we're saying. No. You want a greyhound. Also looks really fashionable in Queens, I bet. Never been, <laughs> yes. but this is what I'm imagining in my head. Well, Just you wearing a turtleneck with a greyhound <laughs> and a little stroller with your baby in it. Just walking around. A turtleneck. And eating beautiful food from all over the world. Yeah, that part. I will say, you've never been to New York. Queens is not the fashionable part of New York by a long <laughs> shot. Not by a long shot. But thank That's you fun, for though. believing in me. My ability to be fashionable. <laughs> I like that this went from us having a uh, a, a, an inf- a, a level of sharing our liberal politics to a degree that I think is going to inflame a portion of the listeners, a sense of hopelessness <laughs> oh, yeah. about a rising tide of fascism in the world, and now it's looped around to us being like, oh, greyhounds are nice. I like that. <laughs> I think that's cool. I think that's what this show should be. I think, yeah, I think so too. And I definitely think you should get a dog. That would probably get you a next book deal if you put the oh, dog at the front. Dog sell. Well. T- I'm telling you. I haven't talked about this. Another book? Make it about the dog. My book bombed so hard. Maybe I just need to write something about dogs. My book bombed. I don't know. I can get in my, I'm in my head about it. I don't know if it bombed. I don't know. Oh, no, don't say that. No, well, I can't say who. But um, <laughs> I'm sure it's just found its own. You know, things. Sometimes books don't rise right away. They rise after a while. That's you don't know. Knows. I've uh, seen books sometimes that have sold something like a thousand copies. And then a few years in, they just start kicking because someone just started something. Like an article came out where that person has said something. And then people start buying the book and it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Yeah, who knows? Maybe someday I'll try to be an optimist like you. <laughs> now, if- Please do, yeah. And, you know, you've done such other great things, you know. At least you can take the book out of your list. That's fine. It's fine. I'm proud of it. I'm still proud of it. I just stress about stuff. You should. Now, let me ask you, let's go back to some of the more tense topics from before, because I'd regret if I didn't ask this. If the worst happens and you feel like you do need to leave this country that you've lived in for years, where would you go? Because you've named some countries that concern you, but what are the countries that you'd go, maybe that's the place for me? Right. So a place where I'd love to live is Paris. I've visited many times, but, you know, I don't think it's one of the safest either, but, you know, it's Paris and it's beautiful and I'd love to live there because it's stunning. Um, a place that I think is really, really underrated, but it's absolutely stunning, is Ljubljana in Slovenia. Ooh. Wonderful little city. Wonderful. Just so friendly and warm and so architecturally pleasing and very full of history but my actual answer is Ireland I'd go back to Ireland in a heartbeat I know there is a lot of political problems there as well and there's a lot of issues but I I don't think I've ever felt at home as much as I did in Ireland wow 
Good to know. I might wind up there someday, too. I got my passport now. I'm an Irish citizen now. I'm very good at babysitting if we both end up there. Look at that. Maybe I'll just move to Ireland. <laughs> I think it's too rainy for my wife. I like the rain. I grew up loving Morrissey. I like the rain. The rain feels to me like... You wouldn't like the rain if you were here right now. I've been walking the streets of my neighborhood with rain falling on me. Oh, I believe it. I love the rain. <laughs> Hate dogs love the rain. Yeah. What a drip. What a pill I sound like. I I don't like dogs, but I love rain. That's uh, everyone who gets mad at me about not liking dogs is correct. I understand that. My, I am unappealing in many ways. Anyway, Ireland. Wind up in oh Ireland. Oh my god. Oh yes. No, Ireland. Just stunning country. Just so people are so proud of being Irish, mm-hmm. which I think is just really refreshing, and they're really happy to share their culture and history with you and you know just really welcoming felt always very very warm towards them yeah yeah if i got offered the job right now in publishing i'd go right away wouldn't even think about it twice i'd be packing as soon as this call was over if someone offered (laughs) you a good job in ireland you're out you're on your way oh yes wow i'd be on my way right away yes wow it's just it's just too stunning but yeah. How long have we got left? Uh, one minute and 47 seconds. Wow. Wow. I'm so cliche, but I'm going to say it. This really has gone fast. Yeah. And my Fitbit just told me I did 10,000 steps. Really? <laughs> During this phone call, 10,000 steps? Yes. I've just been walking round and round and round. Okay. I hope we didn't hear too many cars going by. No, the cars weren't concerning. There were a couple times it sounded like low... Right now, low-level jets have been flying above your head. No, there's just cars in my posh neighborhood. Also, really want to apologize about the constant hiccuping. I just have quite a weird and uh, rare condition with my stomach, which every time I get, not anxious, but anything, my adrenaline glands kind of kick in. It makes me do this weird sound, which kind of sounds like a hiccup, but it's not. I Does that make sense? I haven't noticed it one time. How are you going to drop to me that you got a weird hiccup condition with less than a minute left? How are you going to do that? Uh, sorry. <laughs> I could have asked you about your weird hiccup condition the whole time. Um, no, it is it's actually not that fun either. It's just my bowels are messed up and my guts are messed up mm. and my esophagus is messed up which put all together ends up in this kind of weird thing that kind of makes me look really rude when I talk to people sometimes and belch in their face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry to hear that you've been struggling with that. That's about all the time we got. What a nice, what a crazy note to end on. I'm so sorry that you're sick. I hope you feel better. (laughs) It's fine. I hope in the long run. Thank you very much. I got to say, long run, I hope you're okay. I hope I'm okay. I hope everybody's okay in the long run, in the face of this scary stuff going on. Chris, we're here. There is a lot of people that still believe that, you know, everybody deserves a place, a home, and some food. And, you know, as long as these people are around, I think everybody will be roughly okay. You know, donate at your food banks, everybody. Just donate at your food banks. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much, Connor, for letting me know that a greyhound is the dog for me. (laughs) 
I have a feeling there will be two tracks in the reaction to this episode. Some people who disagree with the politics of what you brought up, and some people who even more passionately disagree with your choice in dog and tell me what type of dog really fits my personality. Anyway, thank you for calling. Thank you for letting me know what it's like to be you. Thank you, Jared O'Connell, for all your help in the booth in New York. Thank you to Sam Kiefer for all the help in the booth in Los Angeles where I'm sitting and it was it was a, a headache champion. Thank you to Shellshag for the music. Want to know more about me when I'm going out on the road? ChrisGeth.com. Find out about that. Hey, if you want to help the show, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Helps a lot when you do. We'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. What's it like to be up close and personal with someone who has a psychotic break? So essentially, um, the kind of culmination of everything that happened was it was another thing where I was asleep and um, I woke up to him. It was like, I don't know, two, three in the morning. It was in the middle of the night. And I woke up to him like, you know, flipping the light switch on and being like, babe, 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 wake up. I was like, what, what? And then all of a sudden he wasn't making any sense. And I, you know, I'm kind of in that sleepy eyed and it was kind of like my clinical brain snapped on and I realized very quickly that things were wrong. Mm -hmm. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.